Well, good morning and happy new year, you sleepyheads. So glad you made it. G.K. Chesterton seems to always take us where we need to go. Look at what he said. The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It's that we should have a new soul. A new soul means a change on the inside. It's discovering a hope that is unseen. And that seems to be one of our greatest obstacles, putting all of our trust, our confidence, our hope in someone we can't see. And for us Westerners, with our love of empirical evidence, <laughs> that kind of hope can be a tall order. The Word of God says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That exhortation is easier said than done. Huh? In fact, it flies in the face of our American mindset. We've grown up cutting our teeth on a basic document called the Declaration of Independence. But as Christ followers, we are called to declare our complete and utter dependence on him. Our new soul in Christ is ultimately a declaration of dependence only in him. We've tried to figure it out on our own, and we still have unanswered questions. And we try to do it on our own, and we can't walk without falling. So Jesus comes to those trying to go it alone, and he says, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me, and I'll refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I read those words of Jesus, and they are so different from what I thought for so many years. For many of us, a new year means resolutions and, and more self-control and more self-discipline and more self. <laughs> but Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You want to know the problem with trying to change some things on the outside while ignoring your soul neglecting the inside? We end up focusing our attention on less important matters and that ends up making us make poor decisions, a series of them, sometimes unending. It's similar to the company who felt it was time for a shakeup, so they hired a new CEO. And this new boss was determined to get rid of all the employers who were slackers, so 
On a tour through the facility, the CEO noticed there was a guy leaning against the wall doing nothing. And the area was filled with a bunch of other workers, so the CEO thought to himself, hey, this is my chance to let everybody know I really mean business. So he walks up to this guy leaning against the wall, and he says, how much money do you make in a week? And the man undaunted said, I make $200 a week. And the CEO pulled out his wallet and handed him $200 in cash and sternly said, now here's a week's pay. You get out and don't come back. You're fired. The guy took the money and walked out, feeling pretty good about himself at his first firing. CEO looked around the room and said, does anybody want to tell me what that slacker I just fired did here? And one of the workers timidly replied, uh, he's the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> Making outside changes, aka resolutions, <laughs> to our lives to the neglect of our soul or our inside can easily result in us making one poor decision after another. And a big part of the soul's neglect is refusing to believe in the greatness of God. A.W. Tozer, I, I read this paragraph of his months back, and I've been meditating on it again and again, and I, I tell you what, it's like it haunts me. Look at this. The church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted for it one so low, so ignoble, as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshiping men. This she, the church, this she has done, not deliberately, but little by little, and without her knowledge, and her very unawareness only makes her situation all the more tragic. The low view of God entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. Does that not just hit all of us right between the eyes? Could it be accurate? In light of that, maybe this first day of this new year would be well spent look at, looking at some of what God wanted written about himself. Why do we depend only on him? Why do we put all of our trust, our confidence, our hope in someone we can't see? Well, the short answer is, to that is that there's no other place for hope to be found. But look at a better answer. This is Psalm 33. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength it cannot save. 
But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now, i got to tell you, not everybody wants to receive a word like that. But for those of you who do, could there be anything more comforting than knowing we're putting our hope in the Lord? Declaring our dependence only on Him? Goodness, that, that's food for the soul. The folly of placing our dependence anywhere else cannot be overstated. Again, look at God's word, this time from Psalm 146. We can never look to men for help, no matter who they are. They can't save us, for even our great leaders fail and fall. They too are just mortals who will one day die. At death, the spirits of all depart and their bodies return to dust. In the day of their death, all, the, all their projects and plans are over, but those who hope in the Lord will be happy and pleased. Our help comes from the God of Jacob. You keep all your promises. You are the creator of heaven's glory, earth's grandeur, and the ocean's greatness. The oppressed get justice with you. The hungry are satisfied with you. Prisoners find their freedom with you. You open the eyes of the blind, and you fully restore those bent over with shame. You love those who love and honor you. You watch over the strangers and immigrants and support the fatherless and widows. <laughs> I love the way God gives a list of why depending on him is, is the right choice. He says, because I keep my prom I'm the promise keeper. Depending on me is the right thing because I bring justice to the oppressed. God says, because I'll satisfy the hungry and free the imprisoned and open the eyes of those that can't see. I'll restore those covered in shame, protect the strangers and the immigrants. He says, because I support the orphaned and the widowed and those that are suffering terrible loss. Where else on earth can you find that kind of hope? Maybe the reason we find ourselves so drawn again and again to different things that President Abraham Lincoln said is because he seems to just draw us in and point us the way to that hope again and again. It's one of my favorite quotes of his. I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of those around me seemed insufficient for the day. In our country's darkest hour, Lincoln knew that our hope was only to be found in the Lord. It's been written, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, and Aristotle for 40, and Jesus for three. <laughs> Yet in Jesus' three-year ministry, what we have infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from those men who are among the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. Jesus painted no pictures, yet some of the finest paintings of Raphael and Michelangelo and da Vinci claimed that their inspiration came from him. Jesus wrote no poetry but Dante, Milton, and scores of the greatest poets 
claimed to be influenced by him. Jesus composed no music, but Handel, Haydn, Beethoven, Bach, Mendelssohn reached their greatest moments of hymn and symphony when they composed his praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter of Nazareth. Jesus has been behind the greatest human achievements in life. He's the central figure of our hope. Without him, there is no hope. Jesus is our only hope and stay. I, I, I kind of like the ring of that. The year 2023. The year we declared our dependency. The year we placed our hope in Christ only. Oh,